0: You know what they say, new year, new blast, am I right? Hello everyone, welcome back to the Blast podcast where we believe movies can be more than just movies. This year and this podcast specifically, we're excited to really dive into movies from a blast colored lens and focus on what makes a movie going experience special. Before we really dive in, here's a new word from our sponsor. For those that don't know, this podcast is actually just a tandem piece to an app I've been building for just over a year now. The Blast app gives film lovers an opportunity to not just review a movie, but tell their story with a movie-going experience. There's an element to the app that will allow users to review and talk about theaters the same way they talk about the movies they watch. I think the theater plays a big part in the entirety of a viewing experience. And I want to make sure that the element of the app is incorporated before launch. It's the final stepping stone, really, to the development phase. And once it's complete, the app is complete and we'll be ready to launch. But if you want more updates, please, please, please sign up for our newsletter at blastmovies.net.
1: Ty, what do we watch this week? Just kidding, we're not getting there yet. Um, I am not Steve Watts. Steve's got the week off. Um, Ty has invited me on uh, from free agency to run point. On this pod, I'm producer Jack. Usually, um, I'm behind the camera. Um, Many of you know me from my award winning performance on the Christmas movie draft, Um, and that's why I got invited back on.
0: Uh, Would you agree? You're killing it. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you are just absolutely pumped to be on this pod. Seems like you really did your homework and are ready to run point the rest of the way. Right, right. I've got a ton of notes. Um, and just to let
1: you in on a little uh, inside baseball to the, to the viewers, um, this is like our sixth take of just the intro. Um, so it's going really well. Uh, but we're going to keep it rolling. Um, obviously, Ty talked about at the the top – 2024 being a new year for Blast content um, and kind of tailoring that strictly to Blast. And uh, I wouldn't call it a pivot, but just more so honing in on um, Blast values um, and getting that going in the right direction. So you want to speak on that a little bit
0: more? Not a pivot, more so a reframe. I want to make it clear that the content and the content structure really isn't going to change. I still want to talk about new movies. I still want to give updates on movie news. I want to keep doing brackets. I want to bring back the stock market. I want to do all those things, but I want to make sure that it's not just about the objective, the how technically sound is this movie. I I want to stay away from that because what makes this movie special to me and what Blast is all about is the subjective, the intangibles. What did I learn? What did I feel? Has this changed anything for me? That's what makes a movie special. That's what keeps the producer jacks of the world watching movies, the ones that only watch ten to twenty movies in their entire lives, but have some kind of special connection to a few. I want to I want to dive into that stuff because at the end of the day, when someone downloads Blast, it won't be because they want to grade a movie out of you know a ten point scale. They want to talk about that awesome story they had when they watched it with their mom and dad. Like I want to talk about that nuance going forward, right? Um, and the podcast structure
1: really isn't gonna change a ton Um, we're really just expanding on again uh, those blast qualities and values uh, that we want to keep pushing out so for example you know how we start every week with what we've watched in the past week um usually we're kind of flying through that and getting you know to the the movie of the week that's been released but now we really want to expand and give more thought and detail into um all the blast experiences that we're having uh, week by week. And by we, I mean, Steve and Ty, because like Ty said, I think I watch like two movies a year, um, but uh, spoiler alert, I did bring one to the table. I watched one two weeks ago, a new one. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Wow. let's uh, let's just dive right in producer. We're rolling. I'm pretty sure this is a movie I recommended to you because I've understood the producer Jack archetype of a movie that you like? Is it some form of heist movie? Is it cool? Is Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, or Ben Affleck in it? You know, I, I, I'm starting to figure out the pockets, and I recommended a movie called Widows. That happened to be your one watch.
1: Surprisingly, too, you named three actors. None of them are in it, but I would now add Daniel Kaluuya to that list. I had a feeling um, you'd say that. Let's hear about it. I'm adding him to it because, you know, I would say Get Out is, you know, where he became a star. I have not seen that. So, like, me talking as a Kaluuya fan is um, just not a lot of substance there. But anyways, Widows. Went into it. No idea what was going on. Um, Ty just gave me a wreck. Uh, I was watching it. Some random Saturday night with a buddy. Um, just needed a movie wreck and didn't know anything. Went into it. I thought it was a slow burn, to be honest. I was sort of digging it the first honestly, like hour and a half. I'm like, okay, there's a couple of cool scenes here. Um, I really love Kaluya. Um, the beatbox scene, we can go into that a little bit more. Um, the bowling alley scene, those are kind of the two um chop scenes from Kuluya that, uh, really stood out to me. Um, and it is funny too. So, you know, I would say the last half an hour I sat up on our couch and was just locked in glued. Um, uh, but talking to Ty afterwards, I missed so many, um, nuances of, of movie making, um, that obviously a schmuck like me just wouldn't pick up
0: on. Um, what was it? It was the, um, the tracking shot when Colin was in the car or Brian Tyree Henry.
1: Right. As I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I've never really seen this in a movie, but you know, Ty comes back and uh, we catch up on this and he's like, dude, the the tracking scene, that's an all time. I'm like, what? It was was fun. Um, but yeah, it was a great wreck. I, again, those last 30 minutes, I don't want to get into spoilers, but, um, what a blast movie is all about I was just locked in from that point on Um, and we can kind
0: of get into the the nitty-gritty of things but uh, when did
1: you see this movie again
0: the year it came out this was funny enough well before blast well before I wanted to make an app this was back in my script writing days Uh, me and a buddy Colin we did a like 45 minute YouTube video of our top 10 movies of the year I think it was yeah 2018. And in his top 10 of the year was Widows. And because of the way he explained the movie and just gave all types of praise to Kaluuya, I went back after that uh, review and watched it on my own, loved it, and then just shelved it for the next, what, six years. And I don't know what made me want to recommend it to you. I think the heist element and just loaded cast, like an easy watch, I think that's what made me want to push it on you a bit and kind of relive some of those moments. Like I remember that review, him talking specifically about Kaluuya's presence. And anytime he came on screen, it was like, Oh fuck, something bad's going to happen. Bowling alley scene, beatbox scene. Like people like, I now know like the Kaluya nodding his head meme like that, that has stood the test of time. Right. And that comes from this movie.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Like I said, Kaluuya just stood out to me, but with the loaded cast, there was just so many Jack Began check marks, uh, with this movie. Um, you know, obviously there are so many movie stars in that movie that I should know, but you know, my brain with each person that pops up, Oh, this person, this person. Um, and I'm infamously the biggest, the town fan, um, on the history of the planet. So the heist automatically pulled me in. Um, but you get like the John Bernthal cameo at the start. I've been watching The Bear. I guess that's just another random one off thing I have been watching. Um, highly recommend too. Um, but I mean, he's in it for five seconds, and I'm like, oh, okay, this, this, I'm in. I'm in. Um, Liam Neeson, I had just watched Love Actually over Christmas for the first time. Loved him in that. Of course, haven't seen him in anything else. You know, Taken's his his big one. I'll never watch
0: that because it's too scary for me. Oh, my goodness um, gracious. It, dude, if you can watch Widows, I promise you, you can see Taken. I promise. I guess I'll take your word for
1: it. I, You'd be surprised. But um, loved him in this. Viola Davis, I have a history with her from uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, and it was funny, too. I watched it with our... Friend Ryan and Ryan and I watched How to Get Away with Murder together, um, our freshman year of college. So little blast value added that um we both are big fans of her and um
0: her leading this movie. I mean, she killed it. Um she's so talented that she's almost treated like Patrick Mahomes, where people are rooting against her and like trying to find nitpicks in her game. But anytime you watch her, I mean she is she is just a natural she's so gifted and plays the perfect I, I i can't even describe it it's one of it's honestly one of a kind
1: by viola davis I, I'm completely with you because you look at her 2024 it, she was awesome in, in, in air she uh starred in what the woman king right yep um and just had a banger of a year and it's kind of just we just throw her to the side and it makes no sense. I, I, I'd put her at the top of her class, whatever that may be. Um, but it what is about, like. Mold. What about Elizabeth Debicki? Oh my god, uh, yeah. I, I could let's let's go for ten minutes on this. Um, another movie I had just watched recently, Tenet, She was great, and that was my introduction to her. So she pops up in this, um, and just <laughs> I'm her biggest fan. Um, put me as leader of the fan club, but. Mm-hmm she's great um michelle rodriguez not a, <laughs> i'm talking like i'm a big fan of hers haven't even seen fast and furious um,
0: what oh my gosh
1: add it to the list but this movie man um the heist i, I think it's going to be rewatchable for me um i i do love too. I think I have this with a lot of movies where I don't appreciate them in the moment. Um, But then I went back and read some things, uh, some reviews, maybe a couple um, little like Easter eggs I missed throughout. I I would say this is the same thing um, as when we watched Dune. I remember walking out of the theater with you and being like, are we sure that was good? Like, did I like that? and then the more i read up on it
0: i was like okay i have a better appreciation for this and some of those are weird too is when you have to do your homework and really sit down and think about it the appreciation that you develop almost sometimes like trumps an immediate love for a movie like i'll always think about the last jedi where i left the theater and we sat in the car me and my two buddies and just shit on the movie for 2 hours like we were distraught and what they did to the franchise. And then over the years, reading different types of articles, watching YouTube essays, and really like building a better understanding of what that movie is trying to do, like the love I have for that trumps almost any other Star Wars movie that I loved right off the rip. It was like a a grown love. It's weird. Right. And to tie the knot back to Widows.
1: You came in, uh, you were coming home from something, came in at the perfect time, right when the heist started, and I felt that's when I locked in. But afterwards, we were able to debrief, ask me how the movie was. Because I remember you walking in, I'm like, we're an hour and a half in, and you're like, how do you like it? I'm kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Um, And then you sat and watched the last 30, 40 minutes, and um, just completely different movie. Um, But yeah, same with Dune. Uh, The more I read about, and I feel like the second time I go and watch Widows, just like with Dune, um, I'll appreciate it even more. My last point I have before I can finally let you talk, I've been talking for 10 minutes. Um, Is Hans Zimmer a little baby fan? Well, I know
0: that Ludwig's a Travis guy. Uh,
1: There is a, what is it, in the the end credits, I, I need to find the song. Um, but there is a sample from a little baby. Oh my. Song. In a minute.
0: I love. Wasn't it um, in a minute? Real spill. Real spill. <laughs> yes. <No. laughs>
1: Blast, Blast has turned into a, a hip hop podcast. Um, I was shocked. and I looked at who, I mean, I really only know Ludwig and Hans Zimmer as composers, but that was definitely a choice. Um, and a good one. So I will
0: leave you with that, but please take the torch for me. Wow. Um, that was like pulling teeth with you. Holy moly. What a way to Captain, Captain Yapper, Captain Rambler. Doesn't know how to close a point. So to paint the picture for, for some of my watches, right at the end of the year on New Year's Eve, my goal is to drop a TikTok slide deck of my top 10 movies of the year with three honorable mentions. And I felt the Christmas slate of movies had some absolute bangers. And I just knew after 2022... I missed out on Babylon and everyone ripped me in half on TikTok. It's like, all right, I need to go see a couple movies before I make this list. I started that off going on Prime because I had the apartment to myself finally, and I got to sit down and watch a couple movies, one of those being Saltburn. So I watched this alone in the middle of the day, and all I knew about it was it's got the new Joker. I always mispronounce his name, Barry. I'm going to say Cohegan the whole time, but I think it's Keegan. It's a, Keegan. it's a tough one. Is it Keegan? I think Keegan. Uh, I, I don't I know. It's, it. it's kind of it. like, it's like the Killian or Cillian Murphy thing. I, it's going to be like that his whole career. So I apologize, but, um, it's him and a Lordy, like two up and comers that are going to be sharing the screen for the next 25, 30 years. And both of them bring it. And it's just an electric performance from both of them. that glues you for about an hour and you're just, watching these two charismatic guys carry a movie. And then it becomes something entirely different. It reminded me of Barbarian, not in what specifically happens, but the twists and turns being so weird and so bizarre. It became an instant, not rewatchable, but hey, every friend that I have, please watch this movie so I can get your reaction. It was so refreshing to see something that bizarre and, and just not be excited to rewatch it because I'm not sure I can. But I I want everyone I know to go see it. And it's been a while since we had one of those. I mean, Barbarian is one of those, but not a lot of people like scary movies. Saltburn, it's PG. I, no, no, it's definitely R. Has to be R. But it's like it's not scary. Like people can just turn it on and have a good time. A couple good looking guys on the screen at all times. You know, a lot of the girls are going to want to check this one out. I. Very fun watch. Very weird watch. I I would recommend it to as many people as I can. I cannot say I'd rewatch though. Would you have preferred to see this in a theater? No, there's no way. I, there are so many scenes. I'm so glad I watched it alone. I, there was a point where I had to pause because I thought I was going to vomit. I like went to the bathroom. It wasn't just one of those like, I feel sick. No, I paused the movie because I like felt sick to my stomach. It was that vile, that gross. Oh, God, just getting getting the willies thinking about it. But um, there's no way I could have sat in the theater with 30, 40-plus people and experienced that. It would have been a completely different experience. I'm really gr- glad
1: you're uh, recommending this to a bunch of people, too. Not,
0: not to you. Not to no you, way.
1: JJ. This one does not make my list. No uh, way. My one big picture question to you, about Saltburn, um, because you brought up Jacob Elordi uh, and obviously the last couple of years he's having, he just continues to vault himself into a higher and higher class of actor. Um, in your mind, I, kn- I know you're a big fan of him. Um, has he entered that? I need to go see him in a theater, regardless of movie. Is he at that point yet? Like we, obviously Tom Cruise is our, uh, our, our hero
0: in that class but is he there yet no he's getting there I, i'm trying to think of the comp for you to kind of help you understand this but he is that gifted let me put it that way and i was i had never watched euphoria i saw like clips here and there on socials but never dove in i know he's in that really shitty ben affleck on a de armas movie like he's popped up here and there and everyone raves about him but saltburn was my first experience and i understood right away he's the perfect word is magnetic. He is, he is the glue of the movie. And I think, I'm guessing that's how it is for Euphoria and anything he's in. He almost, right now, reminds me of Paul Mescal, like to be very immediate. But all of the comps of him being Leo, they're right on the mark. Attractive guy with insane acting chops that's going to get a ton of work. The only kicker is, he's very selective. It's not a Tom Cruise or a Mark Wahlberg or a Dwayne the Rock Johnson thing where they're trying to get a bag and go play Iron Man. He's, he's being very careful about the projects he picks, and I don't think those projects are going to bring everyone. They're not going to bring the jacks of the world to the theater. They're going to bring the dorks like me. All of the movie nerds are going to sign up and go see an Alordi movie. He's not in prime Leo territory yet because those aren't the projects he's going for yet.
1: Got it. Would you say then I think of
0: Chalamet as a guy that's kind of on the Leo path? Would you Chalamet, Chalamet has broken through. He's he's okay. picking projects where everyone wants to go see. Wonka, Dune, those bring people to the screen, but you know, beautiful boy, call me by your name. I think that's where a Lordy is right now. He's showing he's got the chops. Now it's about project selection and maybe he doesn't want to be big blockbuster guy and he wants to save the mid-budget movies that we've been missing for the last 20 years. I I don't know, but he has, he has the chops. He has the gift. He has the charm. It could happen.
1: If he eventually goes big budget, if you're his, if if you're his, uh, his guy, his right-hand man, what are you telling him to do? Is it a superhero? Is it a sports movie? Like what's his first, I know he's, he's a huge name, but breakthrough to the masses
0: oh boy i would definitely caution him from joining the the marvel train before it crashes and i have a i have a bad feeling the dc universe that james gunn is building is going to come crashing quickly i think that it will not work not because it's not good i just don't think i think the fan base is too split right now i think his best chance would be to pop up in like 2029 Batman part three and he just plays a kick-ass villain I don't know who maybe like a younger version of Scarecrow like a nuanced take on Mr. Freeze but like show he's got the chops but being like a a grittier not campy not goofy superhero movie I think I think that's where he shows off
1: let me give you a quick movie take here um you mentioned Scarecrow I think Elordi's got a little Killing Murphy in him, um, and I could totally see that. That'd be awesome. And you know how big of a Reeves
0: fan I am. So, wow, I'm so smart. I, it's it's interesting. Like I'm trying to think of another one for you. Like Joel Edgerton has been, I would argue, a top fifteen acting talent for the last ten years. He's done some great work, but in very small movies like Warrior, the MMA movie, It Comes at Night, The Gift. He's great. But he hasn't had that one project that catapults him. But there's rumors he may play Harvey Dent in Batman Part 2. And I think if he takes that role and gets it, it's the Joel Edgerton show. And he's up there with Taron. But like, I guess that's my point, is Alordi needs that. He needs the Harvey Dent. He needs the Mr. Freeze. He needs that, that kind of role. Got
1: it. Well... The DCU talk uh, is a perfect transition into, I wouldn't say, uh,
0: your favorite movie of 2024, but uh, give me the rundown on Aquaman 2. This is so frustrating because it's kind of like a family tradition every Christmas. All right, we have a movie dork in our, our family. Give us a recommendation and we'll go see something. I could not recommend Iron Claw in good faith because of how soul-crushing it is. And we'll unpack that. I definitely want to talk about Iron Claw, But <laughs> the whole family seemed to want to watch Aquaman 2. That's the way they were leaning. It's like, all right, let's give it a shot. Yes, the DC is crumbling and falling apart. This is the last movie in the DCEU. But James Wan directed, and he directed the first Aquaman. And it was really fun. I had a great time. Like, let's, let's give this a shot. I like Patrick Wilson. This whole buddy cop thing could work with Momoa. It doesn't. And... We sat down, I'd say about 40 minutes into it, nothing has happened. It's just really cheesy, bad jokes. It's just, it's like the worst kind of MCU movie, but in DC, like colors. It's hard to explain, but so frustrating. And for the first time, maybe ever, I turned to my mom and I asked, I'm so sorry, do do you guys want to leave? Like, I, I feel bad. I didn't even want to sit through the rest of the movie. And that never happens. So just left a sour taste in my mouth. The DC really just fell flat in its last year of the the DCEU. We had The Flash, which was one of my worst of the year. We had Blue Beetle. Who cares? And then Aquaman 2, arguably the worst movie I've seen in probably five, six years.
1: Can you remember
0: the last movie you wanted to walk out of? Yeah, um, I can. I don't know how I remember this. Maybe because it's ingrained in my memory. But Batman Begins in 2005. What? Yeah. Um, I was five years old. And JJ, oh. to give you a better idea, I think if you watch this movie right now, you wouldn't be able to make it through. You'd get a little scared. In Bruce Wayne's origin, he like falls into a well and a bunch of bats fly at him. And I was scared shitless. Five-year-old me and I was with my mom. She turned to me. She's like, oh, do you want to leave? I was like, yeah, let's go. And we left 10 minutes into Batman Begins. At the time, <laughs> Batman Begins is PG-13. What other movie came out that's PG-13 in 2005? Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I could not see it in theaters because I walked out of Batman Begins. My mom was worried I would be scared of Star Wars. So I didn't get to see the greatest Star Wars movie ever made on the big screen. Because I was a weenie in Batman Begins, I hate to say it. It's that's on you. You set yourself up for failure. It was my fault. I still, it still haunts me. I was just talking about it with my mom the other day. Like how, it's my fault. Like I, I vividly remember that. Like walking out of Batman Begins, and the next theater over was Revenge of the Sith, and I was like peeking through the like line in the door, and you could see Obi Wan and Anakin fighting on Mustafar. It's like oh. Oh wow! But nope, I couldn't see it until it came out on DVD. Where I went to Target with twenty dollars and bought it, and then I watched it at home. How sad! Swing and a miss.
1: Um, to give you a lens into five-year-old JJ, uh, I wouldn't have even made it into Batman Begins. Um, I used to be the kid that, uh, just being in a public place, we would about we would go walk through the little hallway. To get to the screen, I wouldn't even make it halfway. Just tears, just start crying. I mean, I, I, we could be seeing Barbie, and just I hated the noise. I hated how loud it was. Um, you were always a loser. Interesting, right? Yeah, it really, it just kind of carries on. So, yeah. So you didn't
0: um, see, you didn't see SpongeBob the movie in theaters. I didn't even watch SpongeBob growing up. Holy so shit! Okay, let's yeah. just move on. I'm gonna get angry. <laughs> right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but no, Aquaman two. Probably, yeah, the worst movie in the last five six years. Easy blast grade of F. Easy, bl- easy movie grade of F. Just shit.
1: Poor DC, because start of the year you were so high on the Flash, and that being, I mean, and honestly, it's Tom Cruise's fault that he built that movie up. Um, yeah, but you know, it's well documented how big of a Snyder Cut fan you and Steve are. Um, and just the demise of DCU. Um, Do you think James Gunn is going to make a difference or is it going to be just Marvel 2.0?
0: No, it won't be. And his, The Suicide Squad is very good. I have no doubt that James Gunn is going to make a lot of good movies. My worry is not the quality of the movies. It's the fandom. I think that it's at a all time toxic height where no matter what project comes out, half of the fan base is going to say, bring back Snyder and it's going to tank all of the movies. And this will die before it even gets off the floor. Like Superman legacy might be good. It might be great, but half the fans are going to be like, bring back Cavill. And we're just going to do this for every single new project. I, I think it, I think it's dead. I'm, I'm shooting my shot. There, there will be good movies. I will probably talk about them being good, but I think that the DC is is
1: doomed for the next ten years. Yeah, I have no business giving an opinion on that, but at the same time, I would be part of that uh, crowdsource that's just yelling for Snyder
0: to come exactly. back. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and Even- that's how it's always been. Like this happened to Star Wars. You know, people bitch and complain about. The, the sequel trilogy sucking, I will tell you with confidence, it was the fans' fault that it, it ended up the way it did. The prequels are now loved, and everything about them have this charm, but I remember the fans hated how easy it was to swing a lightsaber and like yelled at George Lucas for a decade, and then he sells it to Disney, and they go back to the the gritty old-school lightsaber combat, and now everyone hates it. They, they went back to practical effects and something more small scale. and People complained about that. Um, it was just uh, like the fans ruined Star Wars. I think the fans are going to ruin DC in a similar sense.
1: Moving on to
0: another angry fan group.
1: Um, you have written down here that you saw Infinity War. Uh, what is this for the
0: 120th time? 21st? It's close. It's close. I saw that movie six, maybe seven times in theaters when it was out. Just a special one. But um, obviously, I couldn't see it in theaters this time. It was an at home watch. I don't know what compelled me to watch it, to be honest with you. I was all alone at our apartment. The sound bar just came in. I wanted to see a movie that, you know, packed a punch. I figured, you know what? How about one of my favorite theater experiences of all time? Let's just rip it. And it still holds up, it's still so much fun. If it weren't for Across the Spider-Verse, this would still be the best comic book movie I've ever seen. And I think what was special about this at-home watch, it took me back to all of those theater experiences, like my heart pounding during the Battle of Wakanda. I smiled seeing Chadwick back on the big screen. Like Cap's entrance, Tony suiting up with the nanotech, all of the little beats, like Thanos remembering Stark from 2012's Avengers. Like, all of those, thi- all those memories, all those feelings from those theater watches were coming back and it was just refreshing to have one of those. It was refreshing to watch a Marvel movie, smile and be like, man, I really miss this. This used to be, this used to be an event and it doesn't feel like that anymore. So it was a nice blast to the past.
1: Was Infinity War the one that you saw multiple times on opening day or was that end game? Or was that
0: both? Like I'm forgetting. Both. but uh- both not, not same day, but pretty close, pretty close Infinity War. I saw it opening night with my best friend from high school. And then the following day I saw it after school with my younger brother. It was kind of our thing to watch Marvel movies together. So I made sure I got him to one, but he was so young at the time that I didn't want to go with him opening night. Because his favorite thing to do as a kid was just ask 108 questions during the movie. And I was not going to let that happen for Infinity War. So I saw it twice, um, back-to-back days. The, for Endgame, I saw that one opening night. It was like an 8 o'clock showing. And then I got back home and drove. I, it was maybe, yeah, it was 24 hours later, exactly. I saw it with my girlfriend at the time like 40 minutes away from my campus with her. like I I, like I, just needed to see these movies on the big screen because this was it. This was the big event.
1: It is wild how you, your Marvel fandom, it's like two different people because all you talk about is just how locked in you were during their heyday. And now you, you could give less of a shit about any Marvel movie that comes out.
0: I don't, I don't uh, see them anymore. It's just because it's so distasteful. I... It should have ended after endgame. It's how I always felt it was the perfect ending. It, it, how could you trump that? How could you build off of that? I know there's like different story threads you could tie tie closed with BP, with Spider-Man, with the Guardians, but it was just so magical and you knew the magic was it wasn't going to come back and it hasn't. It's dead. It's so dead.
1: Yeah, my big picture question that I was going to ask you cuz we had barbenheimer this summer um and there was definitely a lot of weight to that you could feel it even the, the casual movie goer but with endgame it just felt like for weeks on end you know the theaters were packed you were getting recommended to go see it even if you weren't a marvel person i mean in all honesty i, I didn't even see infinity war until after i saw endgame oh wow man. i went and watched. Civil War and Infinity War after uh, Endgame, I think like the weekend after with a couple of buddies. But um, do you ever see, just because the movie landscape is so diluted now with streaming um, and you know, the theaters are coming back a little bit, but do you see an Endgame cultural phenomenon happening again to that magnitude or is that just completely gone?
0: No, and I think Avatar is the only thing that holds that kind of weight. Like, big IP that could bring, you know, a billion dollars with a snap of the fingers. But to have an event where if you didn't log on to Fandango, the the second tickets were available online, you weren't getting tickets for opening night. We'll never have it where you remember exactly where you were for the first teaser trailer. And it gets 35 million views in two hours. Like that is over. I I I don't know if another big studio can manufacture like 10 years of magic and do this all over again. Star Wars dead. Jurassic Park dead. Avatar on its way out. Probably has two, three more movies, but doesn't hold the weight of an Avengers or even like a a DC thing. I. The short answer is no, that is over. But as far as like the event of going to a theater, I think that, I think how it will change, there will be a crazy course correct. Let's say in 15, 20 years where we have just milked all of these big IPs for as much as we could and it's finally time to bring back these mid-budget movies like A Few Good Men, like Rounders. And those become, quote-unquote, mini-events where just a flock of average moviegoers want to go see a $50 million panic room. You know, a $50 million, you know, Rounders too, Like, a, something small. I think those will become mini-events. But a big, grand scale like Endgame... No, that's, that's, one, that's once in a lifetime.
1: I'll let you uh, dig into this next one, but I wanted Top Gun Maverick to be Endgame-esque. Um, and it had its moment, but uh, it definitely didn't reach the heights.
0: I think it deserved it, though. It was about as special of a movie theater experience as you can get, and... <laughs> It makes me a little upset that Top Gun 3 is going to happen because Maverick was so perfect. I mean, what a great way to come back to that franchise after 35 years and stick the landing in every way. But yes, Top Gun Maverick is in my watches of the week. And obviously, I didn't see it in the theaters. But this one is special to me because my dad is the one that got me into movies in the first place. And he's not even a big movie guy. But he showed me all of those all of his favorites from the 80s and 90s, the Few Good Men's that I mentioned, Armageddon, Top Gun, um, Carlito's Way, like all his favorites. And it's very rare these days for him to go to a theater and love a movie. Top Gun Maverick is one of those movies. And he'll, you know, text me every now and then saying something like, talk to me, Goose. He'll, He'll, he'll drop a little Top Gun nugget here and there. But my mom claims that once a week, once every two weeks, he's got Top Gun Maverick on in the basement. It is his ultimate rewatchable movie. And I was home for Christmas break. It's 1030 at night. My dad usually goes to bed at like eight. He's an old guy. And he comes downstairs and asks me, Hey, do you, do you want to watch Top Gun Maverick? We, we plop it on 1030 at night. We watched the entire thing. It was like right after the dark star, like Mach 10 scene. I was sitting up, like smiling ear to ear for the next two hours. It was awesome. We uh, we hugged it out at the end of the at the end of the movie. He went up and crashed after that. But I mean, we had the lights on at like 11 p.m. Just locked into Maverick. So it was just a a good watch with pops.
1: Well, this is nothing new for you, considering another movie that you've seen over a hundred times. I, there was a stretch where you watched this every day uh, for weeks on
0: end. I remember, I remember specifically having, um, for my birthday, it was you, me, a bunch of our Marquette buddies, and before we went out, I required everyone to sit down and watch Top Gun Maverick, and we did. We watched Top Gun Maverick as our pregame for going out for my, my 22nd.
1: I really hope this pod gets a ton of listeners uh, because that's, just, that's a story that you want to tell people. Um, it's pretty cool.
0: Amen. Great story. Hey, you know, over the years, you know, I used to be like a closeted movie dork, but now it's, I, I'm proud of this. I wear it on my, I wear it on my sleeve, man. I don't care. I love telling these stories. Just embrace it. Um, (laughs) To wrap this thing up,
1: uh, let's really end on a high note here. Um, Your last movie on your list,
0: The Iron Claw. Uh, I have no notes on this. Please take it away. A high note is a very interesting way to put this, Jack, because yes, it was a great movie. It cracked my top five of the year. But good Lord, the movie does not end on a high note. This is the saddest movie of the year. It's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. There's not much more to say to it. I saw this one alone. Shocker, as I seem to watch all of these movies alone. But went to the theater for this one. It was packed. It was a really cool theater about like 20 minutes from our place. It's in the like Bayshore Mall, like second level of that mall. Um, it's like paired up with an arcade, but very small, but big screen, like small theater, big screen. And it was me and a bunch of families. So a bunch of dads in the theater as I'm trying to paint this picture. And, you know, the first 30 minutes of this movie is just macho, just a bunch of brothers loving each other, all about family first putting their brothers before everything and trying to make it in professional wrestling. Then it just takes a very, very, very dark turn and terrible things start happening to this family as it crumbles. Um, And with each tragedy, I'll call them tragedies start to happen. There'd be like a new dad four rows up going, God damn it. Fuck. Fuck. Like refusing to cry or be upset, but just be distraught at every bad thing that happens in this movie. And I was definitely one of those guys. I wasn't audible, but in the back corner, just shaking my head. Like, God bless it. This is so sad. So the movie ends on just an ultimate tearjerker. I'm trying to fight the tears so bad. Um, But the second the credits rolled, I was afraid that everyone was going to like pop up and see me crying. No, everyone stayed sitting down. And it wasn't like one of those where everyone's talking to each other. Just silence. And everyone is trying to compose themselves before getting up. Finally get up, walk walk out of the theater, and now I have to walk down a flight of stairs too in front of all these people and get to my car. I'm trying my hardest to hold it in. I open my car door. I take a deep breath and just start sobbing like it was just built up emotion from this two hour just torture chamber thinking about my family how much i love them how it's my number one priority it always has been don't want to lose sight of that like called my called my family like text them i love you guys so much um just very just heart-wrenching movie the only time i've ever felt like this before was watching a movie called the champ as a kid um, this movie is literally 50 years old, so I have no shame in spoiling it. Father-son relationship, dad's a boxer, dad dies in his final fight, and the kid is just distraught. Uh, all I could picture was my dad um, dying in the ring for some reason, and seven-year-old me started just walloping away. I couldn't stop crying because I didn't want to lose my dad, and it felt like this. This is what Iron Claw was to me. I think I might watch The Champ tonight. That sounds
1: great. Please don't. Yeah, The Iron Claw will not be on my list of uh, movie going.
0: If there was the- a, a checklist of vegan must-watches, this is the antithesis of that. This is the, okay, X, Y, and Z happens in this movie. Keep it 150,000 miles away from Jack Began.
1: I bet I could uh, give you a lot of thoughts on a lot of what happens in that movie um but let's save ourselves uh more tears the one question i can ask you about this movie surprisingly enough this is a sports movie um we were talking about it earlier and i thought it was such an interesting question because when you really think back the last decade or so and talk about what sports movies have come out the list is small um so the big question here is the Iron Claw, the best sports movie since Moneyball.
0: Okay. Moneyball was 2011. Yeah. So I'm trying to like peel back the layers. There's not a lot of sports movies. Um, definitely none of the basketball ones like the way back hustle. Those aren't going to cut it. Um, I'm thinking I, two come to mind right away. Yeah. The first creed. I think still is better than Iron Claw, and I would also take Warrior, which I mentioned earlier in this pod. The MMA movie with Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy, I think it it packs just as much of a punch, but um, I think it's better paced, better writing. I I think I would lean those two over Iron Claw. Was Southpaw post Moneyball? I yes. Of- so it might be 2010. It, no. God, is it that old? Are we getting that old? No way. Southpaw, yeah, 2015. Wow. Okay. I, w- I wouldn't put Southpaw up there. Iron Claw is probably three. I can confidently say that.
1: Okay. Quick Southpaw side note. Um, I was watching a clip the other day from it that you sent me. I did not know 50 was in that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. God, what a run he was on at that time. Yeah. Power dude. was probably at its peak of its powers. No pun uh, intended. I miss power. Let's just do a full power podcast me too that's coming next week deal um anything else you want to share uh those were the the five on your list
0: um we're 45 minutes in this was great yeah swift talking movies i mean you you spent about 12 of them talking about kind of widows i mean you were all over the place but you'll you'll start to learn how to talk movies as you know you get more involved but you know let's let's you know maybe practice those bullet points you write i, I think that cool. could go a long way you know
1: the fans want what the fans want, and uh, I'm just going to keep showing up on these pods. I'm going to keep yapping, um, and hopefully there's a little
0: improvement. Next time, I think you know we can work out the kinks, but instead of movies, maybe you just pick one basketball game that you watched and break it mm. down. Um, I think there's something there. Or like J.J.'s best movie of the week and J.J.'s best bet of the week. This is where
1: Blast is pivoting. We did a bad job explaining it at the start, but yeah, uh, a gambling podcast. That's that's exactly uh, the thought I had going into this.
0: That's so, when. You, that's why you started infiltrating. This makes a lot more sense. But other than that, I'm I'm all set. Let's let's wrap this thing up. Cool. Uh, be sure to check
1: out our website, obviously at blastmovies.net. Stay up to date. Uh, be on the lookout. On all of our socials for more uh news and what have you instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and tick tock at blast.movies um, where i will continue to post podcast clips and uh, i promise you to the couple people that texted me um, because i did not edit the entire uh previous pod this will be edited to a t thank Thanks, you man. producer jack Have a great week.